Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotional. Reading the last of the chapters from Dr. Sinclair Ferguson's To Seek and to Save. This is a Lenten devotional, and uh, it ends up with an Easter Sunday reflection, which I'm really excited about. I want to read for you in just a second. First, The passage that uh, Dr. Ferguson will refer to is found in Luke chapter 24. I want to read that first, and then we'll get to Dr. Ferguson's comments. This is a story some of you will know, um, the road to Emmaus and the two disciples there. Now, just because you may have heard the story before, please don't make the mistake of checking out. I want you to read it uh, once again or listen to it once again and reflect a little bit on it Uh, as we uh, hear from Dr. Ferguson. Now, the same day, that's Easter Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, two of them, the disciples, were on the way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and they looked discouraged. And so here we have these two and they evidently are a bit frustrated and uh, confused, uh, somewhat perhaps perplexed or angry. Uh, As you might imagine, all those who followed Jesus would be a little bewildered at this particular point. He died on a cross after all. He had been arrested, scourged, and they thought he was coming into town to overthrow the Roman government, many of them. And so here they are, and they this stranger shows up and is walking with them and asks them this question, what, is, what are you arguing about? Well, the one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? And so haven't you read the news, basically, is what the guy, what Cleopas is asking. What things, he asked them, and of course the he is Jesus, And uh, they said to him, the things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and so they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, They came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they they didn't see him. Jesus said to them, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. I mean, I would love to have heard that, wouldn't you? They came near, as they're walking along, they came near, it's a seven-mile walk. So they came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. And remember, they haven't even recognized him as Jesus yet. So he went in and he stayed with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, 
and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, the Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he had made the, made known to them in what he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were saying these things, he himself stood among them. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see that I have. Having said this, this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they were still amazed and unbelieving because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. And ghosts don't eat food either. So (laughs) then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What a huge claim that is in verse 44, that everything that's written there is really finding its fulfillment in Jesus. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, in other words, the whole Old Testament, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple complex, praising God. So, man, what an amazing experience it must have been for those two disciples. Um, clearly not among the closest of Jesus' disciples, but we, through the Gospels, we read about the, the 12 disciples. Now it's down to 11 because Judas has left the picture. But uh, we also read about the 70. And of course, in the book of Acts, we read about the 120. So many, many people beginning to follow Jesus. Here's what Dr. Sinclair Ferguson has to say in the last entry of To Seek and to Save. Great Lenten devotional And uh, as I have said about all the Lenten devotionals, you can read them anytime you want. Each and every one of these uh, uh, daily uh, writings for uh, the Lenten season are uh, wonderfully inspiring, uh, as you might want to read them any time of the year. But here, uh, Ferguson says, in Shakespeare's play Hamlet, the young Prince of Denmark ponders how to expose the guilt of his stepfather, Claudius, who he believes has murdered his biological father. A troupe of itinerant actors appears. Hamlet arranges for them to perform a play with a plot that echoes the facts of his father's death. 
The play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. This play within the play reveals the truth. Ferguson goes on to say Luke employs a similar technique. He tells the story of a journey within a journey. This shorter journey explains the meaning of the longer journey that has occupied most of the gospel from Luke 9, 51 onwards. Now everything becomes clear. It is the first Easter Sunday. Two disciples are on their way to Emmaus. One is named Cleopas, that's in verse 18. The other, unknown, unnamed rather, uh, Ferguson says, is perhaps his wife. Now, I, I've not heard that before, but I think that's very interesting speculation. They seem to return to their own home in verse 29. They are dejected in the aftermath of Jesus' crucifixion. They are also confused by reports of an empty tomb and by rumors of angels saying that Jesus is alive. A stranger catches up with them on the way and asks them what they have been discussing. How can he not be familiar with the one topic on everybody's lips? They are amazed at the stranger's ignorance of the fact that Jesus is dead. Nevertheless, not realizing they are in for quite a shock. They explain the events that have dashed their hopes. Oh, so says the stranger, you are so foolish and slow. And patiently, he takes them on a brief journey through a whole series of passages in the Old Testament. This is just brilliant. He shows them how what has happened is exactly what Scripture promised would happen to the Messiah. They are almost home now. But the stranger's company has warmed this pair's hearts. They don't want him to leave. And so he stays for a meal. Perhaps conscious that they are in the presence of someone much greater than themselves, they either ask him or wait for him to say the traditional blessing. But as he takes the bread, blesses it, and breaks it, a light goes on in their minds. He reminds them of someone. And perhaps they also see the marks on his hands and wrists as he breaks the bread. It is Jesus. And then just as suddenly as he appeared, he was gone. The two look at each other. Did you feel what I felt while we were talking on the road? Was your heart burning too? That's a great kind of heartburn. (laughs) Not the bad kind, but a really good kind of heartburn. Their hearts strangely warmed by the presence of, and the reassurances of this one Jesus who was walking with them. Well, they rush back to Jerusalem. They burst into the upper room to tell the other disciples, the 11 at this point, that Jesus is alive, that he's risen from the dead. Do they have a moment of deflation when they discover that the other disciples already know? But nobody seems to care who found out first. The only thing that matters is that Jesus has risen and is alive just as he promised. The journey to Jerusalem, which is what this entire book by Ferguson is really about, Jesus' journey and his disciples on the way to Jerusalem to lay down his life on the cross. The journey to Jerusalem began with the disciples noticing a look on Jesus' face that they could not understand. As he was going into Jerusalem, He, Luke tells us this, he Jesus wept profusely over Jerusalem, um, that knowing full well that uh, the official 
religious leadership of the day would reject him. And uh, many would cry Hosanna, but some of those same ones crying Hosanna are likely some of the ones that also end up crying, crucify him, crucify him. And uh, his grief is over the fact that Jerusalem wouldn't understand um, how it was that Jesus had come to bring them peace, peace with God and the peace of God to rule their hearts. And so the journey to Jerusalem began with the disciples noticing a look on Jesus' face. He's weeping, he's literally convulsing with, with sadness and grief. En route, they watched him encountering and transforming many lives. Indeed, he did on the on the road to Jerusalem. That's so true. He healed the blind and and uh, you know along the way, uh, they're joined by Lazarus who had been dead, and Jesus raised him from the dead. So pretty amazing. Well, by the time they were making their way to Emmaus, these two disciples, after Jesus has been crucified and buried. They were, and actually after he's actually risen from the dead, but they've, so they've heard rumors of this, but they're making their way to Emmaus. They hadn't actually seen Jesus themselves until now. (laughs) They were consumed with grief and doubtless with deep personal regret that they had failed him so badly, but the journey had not finished. Now at last they understand Jerusalem was the destination for Jesus, but it was not the end of the journey for his disciples. Now they knew that just as he had set his face to go to Jerusalem, they must set their faces to go to all nations to proclaim his gospel and to call people to repentance and faith in him. The journey of Christ to Jerusalem led to the journey of his gospel to the nations and to us. Now we are on a journey to bring that same gospel to others. But if you are to join that journey, you need to share the experience of Cleopas and his companion. You need to have Jesus open your mind to understand the scriptures. You need to have Jesus move your heart so that it burns with the thrill of realizing that you have a crucified Savior who has risen from the dead and who is with you. will never leave you or forsake you because you surely do and he surely has, and he surely will be with you always. Isn't that amazing? Ferguson ends with uh, just uh, one or two questions here for us as we uh, close out this devotion today. Today we reach the end of the journey to Jerusalem. Are you ready to continue the journey from Jerusalem as you take the gospel to others? What might that look like over the next few days, weeks, months, and years? We serve a risen Savior, and um, that's a great question, that last one. What would it look like for you? What would it look like for me to serve this risen Savior, to testify of how he has been at work in our lives and is transforming us even now? and uh, filling us with inexhaustible hope for the future, despite all of what's going on in the world around us or what's going on in our own personal lives. um, The one thing that we have that will remain, the one thing that is true, good, and beautiful in our lives is, of course, the gospel, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. Let's pray to him now. Lord, thank you uh, for your 
resurrection. It is just it fills us with hope, Lord, and we're just so um, uh, strangely warmed within our hearts to be living in a, a day and age when there's so much darkness, and yet you have brought so much light. There's so much uh, death and despair around us, and yet you have brought life to us. I pray that you will give us more faith, grant to us more faith that leads to repentance, that leads to us bowing before you in gratitude, um, hearts warmed because you have come to uh, save us, to redeem us, to rescue us, and to set us out on mission with you in this world. So I pray that today, even today, Lord, that as we walk with you, you would walk with us and that we'd see each and every encounter as an opportunity for the gospel to fall freely from our lips or to at least be seen in our lives and in our conduct, in our relationships, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a great day. Daily Devotions with Pastor Jim Thomas is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas. Music by Phil Kagey.